Welcome to this episode of Bob Speaks. Sorry for the uh, extended vacation there. It wasn't that I didn't have anything to talk about, just didn't record anything. So, my lazy problem more than anything else. So, a lot has happened over the past weeks. There's been lots of Apple news, there's been Apple announcements, there's been a ton of different things going on, and I'm really not going to speak about any of them. What I am going to do is just talk briefly about what I think is a misunderstanding about where Apple is trying to go with the iOS platform, and especially the services that they've offered on their platform. And it comes up a lot when, um, whenever anything is reviewed and anyone starts talking about the different types of web services that people use in relation to iCloud and then uh, Google services and Dropbox and even Microsoft services. Now, granted, I know very little about everything, but I think a lot of times I hear, well, it just, they don't work how we expect them. And I think that's on purpose. And Apple's been pretty clear, I think, or as clear as they can be without stating things outright, that they're trying as best they can with what is really legacy Unix to move away from the paradigms of computing that we've had in the past. Um, the one thing is moving away from mouse and a keyboard and to a touch touch interface. And I think it's not the touch aspect that's the most interesting in that in that realm. It's the fact that they've removed a layer of misdirection. And whereas with a uh, mouse, you are manipulating a virtual object, the pointer, in order to point at other virtual objects and then manipulate those virtual objects. So there's a layer of misdirection there between what you are doing and what's happening on screen. And to someone who's been using the computer for years, it's not a, there's no cognitive overhead really in doing that. It's very simple. I mean, we're just used to it. Um, for a beginner though, there is a lot of cognitive overhead and especially with children, um, Whereas a touch interface, it's, you're manipulating, it's more so that you're manipulating the objects on screen. The, there's a not, you've removed that layer of misdirection of manipulating a virtual object to manipulate virtual objects. Now you are touching things to have things happen, and that makes it easier to pick up interfaces. And I think that is a big thing that Apple's done. And part of how they've handled that is to try and put as many of the options, many of the user interface elements on the screen at once. So when you pull up, um, pull up an app, they aren't burying things in contextual menus like we're used to in Windows or in Windows window-based operating systems. Because you have to be able to touch things. There's the, the touch is the primary. The, the primary way of interacting and there are different types of touches and just gestures and stuff and that gets that adds back in some layers of complexity but the touch itself is a singular thing you can do whereas with a mouse you have a click but you have multiple buttons all with that click which can do different things depending on which button you're pressing and while in some cases that might be useful it also adds another layer of 
misdirection and adds another layer of complexity onto interacting with computing devices. And once again, if you're used to that, it's not a big deal. But when you're coming into something, it is a hurdle you have to overcome. And I see it in my son, who give him an iPad and he can tool around just fine, um, put him in front of a computer and a mouse and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't intuitively understand that moving this object moves this other object so you can do things with these other objects. And I think that's a big push to kind of rethink how user interfaces are supposed to work. And it might be part of the reason why they've gone with this this skewomorph way of doing things. You'll hear a lot right currently about the skewomorphic design and how Scott Forstall's going away and Johnny Ive is taking over all design aspects at Apple. And so maybe there will be less of that. Well, well, maybe, but maybe not at the same time because having a skewomorphic design gives your mind something to hang on to. A button is something you can push. You have a framework of reference for that. And personally, I don't find the Windows 8 when Windows Phone it used to be called Metro, but it's not you can't call it Metro interface anymore, I guess. I don't that's for lawyers to understand. But where I don't find that design aesthetic all that pleasing, it's very sterile and it is very digital and in that sense I can I can academically understand why people prefer that or why they think it's really it, it's a good design aesthetic and a good way to, to uh, create user interfaces and I think it's fine it's not for me part of my problem is that you take away some of the inherent contrast between objects that do things and objects that show things and so text in something like Metro is could be a button or or something uh, buttons not even the right word it could be something you're meant to click or it could just be something that's meant to sit there and show something whereas in iOS at least in Apple's applications within reason if you're supposed to click it it looks like something that you should be touching it looks like something that if you touch this it will do something different it's not just a piece of text and is that less true to the to the digital design Perhaps, yes it is, but does the contrast provide clarity of purpose that maybe an entirely digital and very sterile aesthetic like Metro does? And I think there's a lot of back and forth that's going to go between. Admittedly, you know, Steve Jobs wanted a quote-unquote lickable interface with OS X, OS X, OS X. So Apple very much wants the contrast to be to be there to show what things are supposed to be, be objects to be interacted with and what things are supposed to just be text and something that's supposed to be static. Whereas in Metro, at least from what I've used and what I've, I've played around with, the line does not seem as definite. And it doesn't seem as clear-cut. They don't seem as interested in making that definition as Apple does. And that's another difference. And and then, so these, those are differences in inter interface design, not underlying code or anything. Um, the really interesting thing happens um, in where iCloud gets involved and the minimization of the uh, file system. And this is something I wholeheartedly 
want to see go away. The file system, the, the people I've been working with, the file system is a kludgy skeuomorph almost because the computer doesn't have files and folders like we have folders that we put papers into and files and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's a skeuomorph in itself, trying to conjure up images in our head of working with papers and actual folders and filing things away inside of them. And while it's an apt metaphor for how we currently work with the file system, I really like things like iPhoto. Where do you get your photos? You go into iPhoto and they're there. And, you know, there are problems inherent with that as well. And you're, the perfect solution hasn't been thought up of and you're never going to find it. And you always want to have that option of being able to go back into the system itself and pull up the individual pieces of data because that's really what it is you know even files themselves are just ways of storing data so that we can manipulate them and not just the machine because the computer probably could care less how the data is stored as long as it understands what to do with it but files are there for our benefit so we understand what to do with it <laughs> and is that the most efficient way to handle things well probably not um but I really like the minimization of the file system so that people can't shoot themselves in the foot. There's Right now, that, that means you're going to have a very narrow number of things you can do, and Apple has made decisions as far as what you can and cannot do, but that's cool. That's where you're going to really find, okay, what do people need to do? Right now, uh, with documents in the cloud, with iCloud, there are definitely some very restrictive things going on sharing options are minimal um, but if you want to get at your pages documents you go to pages you don't have to think of okay where do I need to go to find this in this individual pages document that I know I've worked on before in the past sometime where do you go to get your pictures you go to pictures and there are all of your pictures and you can have albums and pictures albums of pictures you can have them stored but your pictures are in there and other applications using the APIs can have access to those pictures and that's it like you know where the pictures are and the applications that need to know where the pictures are can use the APIs to get access to those pictures that is exciting stuff to me like that is cool I recently I've come into a lot of problems where people who want to attach pictures to emails and you say well you just have to remember where the picture is located where is it stored? Well, that opens up the whole talk about what the file system is. Well, not the whole talk, but you have to try and narrow it down to what they need to know to find where they have to go. And a lot of, a lot of infrastructure is in place to try and make it as easy as possible. Well, something like Spotlight in OS X very much is in place to try and make it easy to find the stuff that you need to get at. So minimizing the file system is really kind of cool. iCloud is not a general purpose file syncing infrastructure. It's just not. It is not trying to be Dropbox. iCloud is also not a web-based API to get at web stuff. And that's where Google and Apple differentiate as well. Uh, there's been, you know, there's always talk that Google gets services right. Well, yes, they get web services right. And that's what they're working on. And that's what they're really good at. I mean, that is that is Google's thing. That's what they were born out of. But that's not what Apple's trying to do. Apple is trying to give you access to all of your stuff, no matter what 
Apple device you're using. Google has all your stuff with them, and you can access that with their devices. And it, it, it's a subtle difference, but they're trying to do fundamentally different things with the data, <clears throat> even if you're trying to accomplish the same goals. And I think that's a very it's an interesting way of doing things. Google, and I think you can see where Google really wants to go with the Chromebooks. They really want the client-server infrastructure in place. They want thin clients accessing big old Google servers and services. And that is ideally what they want to do because what the, the power there is given to Google because in order to access your stuff, Google has to have it. And you're not going to have access to it unless Google has it. Apple is far is far closer to the PC side of things with iOS, which is kind of funny to say to an extent. But it's your data, and you can choose to to work with your data on a per device basis. It's not easy right now, or you can choose to use the services that Apple's provided to have this data ushered back and forth between your devices and kept in sync with one another. But the canonical information, you know, the, the information is still on your device. There is there is no way to manipulate all the time. Now, some of them are, like email, calendar, contacts, stuff like that. You can manipulate online on, on Apple servers. But things like iTunes Match and Documents in the Cloud and PhotoStream, you know, a lot of that stuff is you manipulate it on the device and those changes are then pushed out to the rest of the devices. The canonical information really isn't on any one device at any time. It's on the device you're using right now. That is canon. And you're manipulating canon and the, and the other devices have to get put up to date. A little bit different way of doing things, and but it makes it really interesting. So, you know... It's easy to say that Apple can't, doesn't get services, and it'll be interesting to see what iCloud does. I happen to find iCloud to work really, really well, and which has been nice because MobileMe definitely had its issues. The interesting thing is going to be how all of this turns out. I mean, Microsoft has the, the, the their own SkyDrive and Syncing solutions in place that are very interesting. They're all kind of going at it just a, a tiny. Tiny, tiny, tiny little bit different. And it'll be interesting to see which way wins out in the end or who can meet the the demands of their customers. And perhaps what'll be what'll happen is that each one will meet the needs of different customers. And personally I kind of hope that's what happens because I don't think anyone wants now to happen what happened in the nineties, which is a monolithic single entity, single paradigm computing environment to kind of rise up um, out of the incompetence of the other players in the industry. Much more, I think we would like a polyglot um, sort of industry where we have many strong players all providing slightly different tailored services for different people. Um, I, I think that is more exciting because what it forces is vendors and, and other large players to really think about how to best meet the needs of their customers and not what kind of crud can we push out. The educational uh, 
industry is just full of junk because Macromedia owned the rich media market and it, for Windows at that time. And because of that, you have so much information tied up in a dead format and it just utterly dead format of Flash. And, and it really is. Or Shockwave. I mean, it, things are, are moving mobile. That's just the way it's going to be. But sadly, those mobile devices will not have access to that information unless someone up, updates them to something that is more future-proof and is more accessible. And part of the problem was you had these gigantic monoliths in these established industries that just kind of took over and, and ran with it. Right now, no one in the mobile space has that much clout over exactly over the entire industry. Not even Apple, not Google, not Microsoft, and definitely not RIM. Um, and really, we should be rooting to keep it that way. We shouldn't be rooting for any one of those, any one of the big players to die. We should be rooting for everyone to keep pushing things forward because that's when you're really going to have the most innovation and the most fun and the most you know, exciting thing to talk about. That's what we want. That's, that is the ideal thing. So that's my mini rant for the night. Hope you enjoyed it. And I hope, hope I'll be recording another podcast soon. Thanks. <laughs>